Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 150. Today, we're going to talk about location and how the place or or the city or the town in which you live Mm -hmm. affects the rest of your life. And it's one of those things that's often overlooked, or it's it's over-overlooked, meaning it's... uh, (laughs) Either there's often not enough in- emphasis placed on it, or there's too much emphasis placed yeah. on it for me. Uh, I-, I think about growing up in Dayton, Ohio, and, and and now like looking back at it, it's one of my my favorite cities. We go back two or three times a year and spend time there, and there's like cra- a crazy sort of positive nostalgia for me. But also like there's a familiarity. Um, but but. There was also a time when I wanted to leave Dayton mm. and placed a whole lot of emphasis on, well, I'll just go. You know, I remember I was looking for jobs back in, this was my mid-20s. My, uh, my boss was actually, uh, uh, I had an interview with a, with a separate telecom company. And they were hiring, uh, I was a regional manager at the time, and they were hiring regional managers for different places. And I was looking at like, oh, maybe I'll go to uh, um, Providence, Rhode Island, or maybe <laughs> San Francisco. You're just like or, looking to get out somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah running to r- running away from something as opposed to running to something. Yeah. And, and I think that'll be a common theme because it's also important to figure out what place is right for me based on my ac- activities, my preferences, right now and that changes over time Mm -hmm. too and we could talk about you know we've lived in a few different places even though we're in los angeles now we've tried out different places and we've considered moving different places uh before we get into that though i just wanted to say that they just announced the new iphone that came out right or that's coming out are you gonna get it (laughs) did you pre-order it it's the iphone xs <laughs> Do you think they did that on purpose? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, are they, are they? I realize a million people have made the joke already. But yeah. come on, excess. <laughs> oh my goodness, man, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's funny, man. And then there's I the, still have a five. Well, there's the iPhone XS Max, which is even so. They, I guess, they had three different new models that are coming out. There's an XR, which I have no idea what that means. But then, or they're calling them ten, like ten R, and then ten S. But really, it's the XS, yeah. and then the XX excess max which is exactly where we are in our culture with consumption <sighs> man what a yeah I, I i'm just wondering if they, they had to have known when they when they were like yeah we're gonna call this excess and the excess yeah. max like they they had to see the irony in it right i mean much much like i mean us being the minimalists there's a lot of irony in things that we do right um like we see it sure but uh yeah i don't know man maybe they maybe they didn't see it so we just got back from sao paulo yeah yeah i've got that on our list of of things to talk about during right here right now oh okay if we we can get to these questions first all right let's go and get to the questions who's our first question from ryan it's sarah from brooklyn well teaching is very much aligned with my life's mission i find that a lot of my downtime is spent sort of sort of recovering and resting and I seem I feel quite depleted at the end of the week. Um, I'm wondering if you can speak to location, and because I'm thinking like I feel that maybe New York City is not the right place for me. How did you decide on Montana and LA? Um, my other question is, 
I find that I keep simplifying more and more. And I wonder, does it become clear when you finally reached enough? Or at some point, do you just say, this is good? Because I find that as I keep going deeper on this journey, I keep realizing, oh, I actually need less stuff. And it just feels like maybe I've become a little bit obsessed and my time is spent too much sort of finding new places to simplify. So Ryan, she's a a middle school teacher and she talks about how that aligns with her life's mission. I think that differentiation, the the, the word she used, whether it's intentional or not, she she said it aligns with her life's mission, but Mm. she didn't say it was her life's mission. And I think that's, that's a good... Uh, she, she's recognizing something that m- she has a, a life's mission. Maybe that's to contribute. Maybe that's to help kids. But there are different ways to do that. And mm-hmm. maybe, just maybe, it has nothing to do with the location that she's in. She's in New York City. Yeah. And But she's also, it sounds to me like an introvert, like I am. Mm-hmm. I think you, it's perfectly okay. It's fine to be an introvert in the city. Although, it's may- fu- I find a lot of introverts prefer to be in crowded cities. Yeah. I wonder, like for you, uh, who is, you know, high introvert what is it about uh, a tight tightly packed city that makes you feel like you can still be introverted but right. yeah well it, it why makes, is it appealing i guess it's appealing to me because well it's what i call ambient people having mm. access to people and, and and so the ability to connect although there's another type of of introvert and they tend to be older men mm. living in montana or alaska where like literally they'll live by themselves and not see people for weeks at a time they right? wouldn't yeah they would never live in la or new york or right right I- exactly and, and they don't even want the potential for interaction in fact that's what sort of turns them away from cities is they don't want that potential they don't want to be bothered and while i don't necessarily want to be bothered either i think i have the right to be left alone i i want i want the ability to be able to to connect with other people if need be. And that's one of the, been one of the great things about living in Los Angeles for me mm-hmm. is we have met so many new people where I have access to them. I don't have to see them every single day. But mm-hmm. if I have a friend who I you know, have coffee with once a quarter, then that's great. Yeah. I have that access. A lot of to people them. come through here too, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, that, that's, a, that's a great point because you're living somewhere where you have access to other people when they come through here. Not a lot of people were coming through Missoula, Montana when we lived there. Yeah. I mean, occasionally. And then, of course, we would like spend time with them. But it's people- so weird. I would always offer people to come out to Missoula, Montana, which for me, like that's like if I was given the option to go to Montana and had a place to stay in the mountains, like I would do everything I could yeah. to get out there. Because, I mean, it is just like that's that's my paradise, you know? Yeah. Uh, not many people took me up on that offer. Right. But it- when I threw that offer in L.A., mm-hmm. dude, I, I, it's funny because like within the first two or three months <laughs> I had to like scale it back and be like oh like like everyone's now taking me up on this offer to stay at my place yeah you I'm rescinding the <laughs> offer <laughs> right retroactive but I think a lot of it has to do with like people do just pa- I mean LA is a hub so uh it, people mm-hmm. come here often Missoula is a is a destination it's not really a a, a hub of, of sorts yeah and in California but but Southern California and and LA especially I mean it's a world city right mm-hmm. and so there's something like 12 million people in the county, 20 million people in the in the metro area. So you can also find people who align with what your preferences and hobbies and everything. I mean, you've yeah. met friends who you go surfing with now. Yeah. I don't have those same friends because I don't I don't go surfing. It's not that I have any judgment against that person, but like it's it's in fact a, a good friend of mine, Andre. Um, 
you know Andre. He went to a comedy store with us yeah, a few yeah. weeks ago. Um, he's like, hey, do you and Bex want to go out with me and, and, and my girl for you know like a board game night and i'm like no of course i don't want to <laughs> like uh, how miserable right right but <laughs> but it, it's also being honest about what my preferences are and that's i think where we are with sarah right now is she is being on she's starting to be honest with herself about what her preferences are mm-hmm. i remember being in the corporate world to make this analogous to what she to to, to her professional career mm-hmm. uh when i was in the corporate world i had i had to be an extrovert almost all day right mm-hmm. uh managing people leading teams of people interacting with customers no matter what my role was even when i was just a, a sort of frontline salesman in a retail store all the way up to being a director of a bunch of retail stores i had to interact with people 24 hours a day mm-hmm. now part of that aligned with the person i wanted to be because i did want to lead people i wanted to help people i wanted to add value to people's lives and maybe 20 percent of what i was doing allowed me to do that but the mm-hmm. other 80 percent did not actually align with the person I wanted to become and I think that's where maybe Sarah is right now it's I don't know that it's the city it could be the city and the only way you'll know is to try out a different city it doesn't mean you have to do it for a long period of time Um, I just had our friend Nate Nate Green is moving I mean he he we did that breakup podcast with him 148 yeah and now he's He's been living in Montana for you know a while, and yeah. they're in Portland. He's like trying to figure out like what's his next step. And so he and I did a living room conversation together uh, on YouTube. Shout out to YouTube audience. Hey y'all. Um, and uh, when we were on living room conversations, he's testing something out for the next year. He's gonna he's moving to um, he's moving somewhere overseas in Asia, and then after oh, he's going to uh, Thailand, right? Yeah, yeah, but a specific part they, where there's a. Uh, um, He's doing he's doing some sort of uh, uh, meditation and yeah. it's close to a particular community. Him, man. Um, and then he's got, I think he's he's probably going to go to Croatia for six months after that. Oh, Croatia. A- and uh, and then after that, he's not really sure where he's going to be. And I think that's the nice thing. So Sarah asked, "How did you choose Montana? How did you choose Los Angeles?" Yeah, it was it's funny, man. When we went on that tour, our very first tour was what uh, 2011. Yeah, like the end of the year, mm-hmm. and we did uh, basically uh, you know 75 the highway, <laughs> 75. We we went down to Florida and then we you know Tennessee stuff that you and I have seen a million times. Yeah. But then we started to branch out and go to like Chicago mm-hmm. or Phoenix or Portland or L.A. And I just remember having that feeling that you were talking about earlier before uh, we got into these questions about how uh, you just want to run from mm-hmm. Dayton, Ohio, because well, I think when you're raised somewhere. Uh, everything gets a little bit, I don't want to say boring, but you, you want a change of scenery Yeah. in Dayton, Ohio. Um, you know, the, it is a beautiful place. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, I was like, all right, no more cornfields. Uh, you know, no more allergies. <laughs> I want to like get out and see some awesome scenery or like be in a cool city. Right. And every city we went to, man, I was just like, oh, Portland's awesome. Let's move to Portland. Yes. You remember me like constantly saying every place San we Francisco. Went. No, dude, we should move to San Francisco. <laughs> in fact, I was looking at, at, and this was back in what, 2012. I was looking, or 20, yeah, 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at places to live in san francisco so i was like okay that sounds good and i started looking and it's like four thousand dollars for a studio apartment and that was back then it's even worse now yeah uh we just did kevin rose's show and that's one of the reasons he left san francisco was like 
the crazy skyrocketing prices of, of everything. And that's something else you have to keep in mind. She lives in Brooklyn right now. Mm. Imagine how the, the cost of living in New York City or we're in L.A., the cost of living here. I was just having this conversation with our friend Amy from, from Google or mm-hmm. formerly from, from Google. She went to go work for a nonprofit. But um, and, and one of the things you have to keep in mind, that the reason that, that uh, L.A. is a hard city to, to live in is because the cost of living is astronomical. Yeah. Um, the, the article I, I just saw, Richard Florida, I believe, did the study. And Sean, if I could find this, I'll send it to you and we could put it in the show notes. But Richard Florida did the study of, of um, how much it costs for an apartment in Soho, in, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. You could buy over 100 houses in Toledo or Dayton. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, so the average house in, in, in Soho... Yeah, the average equals, apartment. Equals over 100 homes average cost of wow that's unbelievable homes that is unbelievable yeah, yeah i think you could do 70 in 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 detroit and uh 100 in youngstown wow. i mean uh it, what was fascinating is cost of living has to be uh has to play a major factor and that was one of the the things that allowed me to and we're going to talk about this i think with javier's question coming up next but but uh the cost of living in Dayton allowed me to pay off my debt. It would have been much harder in a city like Los Angeles for me to become completely debt free because right. I, by definition, I'm going to spend more money on, on just my, my bare essentials, yeah, right? Keep a roof over your head, keep yourself fed. The yeah. average house in Los Angeles, not, not just the nice places like Silver Lake or, or Los Feliz or West Hollywood or mm-hmm. Venice, the average house in all of LA is approaching six hundred thousand dollars. Good in God, cost. it's unbelievable. And and you know you, you go to a place like Dayton, you can get a nice house for sixty thousand dollars. Not yeah. an outstanding. Six hundred thousand dollars in Dayton will get you a mansion. It, it'll get like, you look at the, the the Beverly Hills equivalent times two. You can yeah. probably buy two God. Beverly Hills houses in in Dayton. That's so crazy. You know, it's funny. Like as we're talking about this, I'm asking myself, like, why did we move to LA again? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, honestly, man, like. Because of the podcast and right. uh, the, the projects that we're working on, like this really is the place to be right now for us. Right. Um, Key, to, keywords right now. Yeah, right now. And, you know, I look at it um, like an investment. Mm. The The cost of living, it is, yes, way higher than most places in, in the U.S., right. But I don't look at it as like a waste of money. I don't look at it as like um, anything other than an investment that that Mariah and I, not just with our money, but our time too. So, you know, just to Sarah's point, like she's got to look at, you know, when she moves to uh, another place, um, is it, yeah, if, if if she needs to save some money, great. But saving money isn't always the, the, the right reason to pick a place or not. Right. Although I wouldn't have moved to LA if we were in debt. No, and and because it would be more difficult to pay off that debt. Yeah. So let's talk uh, real quick about. So, so you sort of illuminated why we moved to L.A. That's a place where people go to tell well, stories. Do you want to talk about Montana first? Why we moved to Montana? Yeah, first? yeah. Okay. That, that, that's that. I think that's a better starting point. So okay. we were in Dayton, Ohio. We did this thirty-three city tour with our first book, Minimalism: Live a Meaningful Life. I wanted to move to every single city all that we went to. Cities. All thirty-three cities. All thirty-two others. It was Dayton and thirty-two others. <laughs> but yeah, every time we were there, I mean, I remember being in Knoxville, and we were yeah, like, like man, Knoxville's pretty. Hip, yeah. yeah, it was great, and I <laughs> still was. like Knoxville, right? Um, and and what I started to realize is, oh, I can be happy anywhere. Oh yeah, it it's we don't hate change, we hate being changed. Mm-hmm. But we, when we implement change on our own, 
we actually look forward to that, right? And that's yeah. why looking at those cities. Now, if someone were to tell you, Ryan, if all of a sudden you would have been told, uh, "Hey, you have to move to Knoxville," you'd be like, "What? Why?" <laughs> I'd be like, "No." Why? But I wouldn't. But, I wouldn't like to be forced to move anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, what we like is our ability to have control over our own change. When people say, "I hate change," I think they're wrong because if their bank account changes seven figures in the positive, all of a sudden they're going to be like, "Yeah, I like that change." Right. Well, what we mean is we hate being changed. We hate unexpected change. We hate changes that are thrust upon us. So Sarah's in a good position right now because she's looking for elsewhere. So if she decides to stay in Brooklyn, then she can make that decision on her own. So wh- why did we move out to Montana? Man, um, Missoula. What? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, God, man, I don't know where to start. I mean, I guess. How about this? We we were dry. We were at the very end of the tour. The thirty third city was Vancouver, BC. Yeah, we were finishing it up, driving through Montana, and before we got to Montana, it was it was late, and we were like, you know, we were in Idaho. We were like, you know what? We're just gonna stop here in Idaho. Yeah. We're gonna spend the night, and then we're gonna get up tomorrow and just like barrel through Montana and get right. it and get it over with. We'd never been to Montana and never, 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 never even thought about Montana. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, we stopped in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho and they, you know, one of the charges like 250 bucks a night for a hotel room, which was crazy. I was we're like, like, we're in the panhandle of Idaho. We're in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, dude, there's no one in your parking lot right now. Like, yeah. I don't understand. And he did lower it. Like, I think, he, you know, it was like 200 bucks or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was saying, he was just telling me, he's like, dude, he's like, this is a really nice place. He's like, uh, you know, basically trying to explain to me why it was so expensive. Well, when we woke up in the morning and saw the beauty of Coeur d'Alene, it was like, oh, mm-hmm. like this is why that's 200 bucks a night because it's like a very, very gorgeous, one of the most gorgeous places uh, th- that I've been to in this country, honestly. Um, and then we started driving into Montana that morning. Yeah. And it was just, I don't want to say it was more beautiful or less as much as it was just different beauty around every corner. It, it, for me, it literally was more beautiful. Like we were in, in, in Idaho and as soon as you cross that, that line in the Montana, <clears throat> for some, some reason, it's like, it's picturesque. Yeah. And then we hit that spot. There's this tiny little waterfall right off of I-90. Well, we, before that, though, we stopped to get coffee. In, in Missoula. In Missoula, Montana. And what was crazy about Missoula um, was, A, we found awesome coffee uh-huh. and we found awesome fish tacos. And like, yes. so th- those are two things that when we go to a city, that's what we kind of consider is right. like, um, how, how good is the food? Yeah. Uh, can you get some decent food and you know, not like sit down restaurant food, but yeah. just like they didn't have a Chipotle. I mean, that's, I mean, they have one now, but when we first moved there, they didn't have a Chipotle. That was right. almost a game breaker or a, you know, game changer, except they had good fish tacos. And it's like, all right, all right, we can do fish tacos instead of Chipotle. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, I remember just going to, um, Oh no, is it La Petite? Yeah. Yeah, La Petite. I was like, I forget the name of the place. Le, Le Petite. Le Petite. Yeah. We went to Le Petite, Missoula, Montana, which by the way, awesome bakery, awesome coffee. If you're in Missoula, Montana, definitely go to La, uh, Le Petite. Um, but I remember the barista waiting on us and, you know, because like I have this like, this inner hippie in me. Uh-huh. I just remember like seeing the people working there and like, hey, they were so nice, dude. Like that's the one thing about Montana, about Missoula is that people don't look at me like I'm weird. Mm. Like when I go up to someone, Hey, how's it going? Like they give me the same energy back. Yeah. There's no, like they, there's not a, people don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of walls up in, in Missoula. I feel like, yeah. um, you go up to someone in Dayton, Ohio or Los Angeles. Hey, I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And they're going to look at you like, all right, dude. Okay. What do you want? What, what's up? Like, you know, like they'd be a little bit trepidatious where in Missoula, you go up to someone, Hey, I'm Ryan Nicodemus. They're like, okay, you're cool until you prove me otherwise. Right, right, right. So I, so like, I loved that feeling, but then also dude, I remember thinking to myself, 
I could probably find a drum circle here. <laughs> like, it'd be really <laughs> easy to find a drum. Now, I never was in a drum circle. Actually, that's not true. Uh, Mariah's mom, uh, they do uh, a couple drum circles a year, and I was like, there was one of them that I was in. It was kind of fun, but. But I, you know, for all intents and purposes, like I, that was the only drum circle I was ever in in five years right, in Missoula. So, so, so we left, we, we left Le Petit, we got our coffee, we hit the road again, we're on yeah. I-90 and, uh, and then all of a sudden there's this little waterfall off the side of, uh, off the side of the highway and it looked like someone was filming an Abercrombie and Fitch ad. It was there just like dudes with raging six packs like chicks and thongs it was it was skinny dipping right and oh. so like there were six college kids four women two men and they were jumping into this little sort of hot spring waterfall thing on the side of the highway it's the first time in my life i've ever done a triple take and as i looked over and this is not made up a bald eagle flew overhead yeah and it, the only thing more American is if they would have been like waving some sort of uh, uh, American flag or the eagle had it in his talons or something. Mm-hmm. And and what I realized, like, oh, like this is what advertisements try to affect is what's going on right here in Montana today. Now, granted, it was it was mid July, early July of 2012, and. Which, by the way, is the absolute perfect time oh, to yeah, be in Montana. Oh, yeah, we got so lucky when we were passing through, man. There's two solid months of weather, sometimes only one solid month of weather a year in Montana, and in Missoula specifically. Um, and and it was like the perfect time. So gorgeous weather, 85 degrees, skinny dipping, beautiful college kids. I've never seen a bald eagle in my life. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. We don't have many bald eagles there unless they're on currency. <laughs> or in a zoo. It, right. <laughs> and, and so we sort of looked at each other and you're like, Hey, we should come back out here to write the next book. Yeah. So for me, it was the community. Uh-huh. It was, uh, access to the, the basic preferences that I had. Yes. Um, good coffee, good fish tacos. Yeah. Um, good pizza. Although I don't eat pizza anymore. God, I miss pizza, <laughs> especially with pineapple on it. So but anyway, what, what's different <laughs> about Missoula? I mean, you can get, those things pretty much anywhere. You can go to Saskatoon and find good coffee and and good people. Yeah, yeah. So what what I was getting to is uh, just the community in general. Um, I that's what really drew me to Missoula. Not only that, but sweeping mountains, mm-hmm. awesome views, um, and then you know, kind of totally romanticizing this writer in a cabin. On yeah. the side of a mountain. Which is what we did for four yeah, months. We yeah. first moved out there. It was October 3rd, 2012. I remember I arrived there a week before you did. Yeah. And the day I got there, it was snowing. And I don't In mean October. just... Yeah, <laughs> early October. Dude, Mariah and, and I left for LA in September. Uh-huh. And we drove here. It was snowing on the way. It was like the last snow. Anyway. It was like going. blizzardy too, yeah, right? I mean, it, and, and so getting there, I'm like, oh, this is different from what I remember back in July. And so we rented this cabin in the middle of nowhere from Craigslist and uh we just wrote and 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 spent those four months uh, creating our book everything that remains mm-hmm. but then we found ourselves gravitating toward missoula which was two hours away mm-hmm. uh, we lived in this uh, little you know, it was phillipsburg montana there's one traffic light and and uh 3400 square miles um but if you really wanted to go to a city, you either went to Butte or you went to Missoula. And we found ourselves gravitating toward Missoula. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of that, we, we decided, hey, let's actually move to this city. There's 70,000 people there. It's, it's not a, a massive city, but it feels much more like yeah. a city because it's, it's dense because it's built in between those mountain ranges. Yeah, Colin also wanted uh, to live with us too. Yeah, So, so our- this is kind of what spawned us 
really making this move. Colin was like, man, let's get together, live together for six months. Let's see what kind of creations we can make. And, you know, we, uh, it was time for us to graduate from, from that small, uh, little town. Yeah. So so we went into it only planning to be in that cabin for four months and uh, let's see, let's see what's going to happen. We didn't have a, well, let's move here for the rest of our lives. And I think that's quite often the mentality we get into. And we, we get, it becomes much more difficult to make a decision if, if the decision is I have to make this decision and stick with it for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. It's way easier when you're like, hey, I'm going to give myself four months here because you can do four months anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, Colin wanted to come out because we were starting a, a publishing house together, Asymmetrical Press. And so we set up shop together, the three of us in Missoula, Montana. Yeah. And then we ended up both meeting the loves of our lives in, in, in Montana and, and sticking around there for about five years. As a result, I will say this though: you and I differ on Missoula because for me, I didn't find my my community there. Yeah, um, and it was really difficult. I, I remember being like, "Oh, like I still feel this attachment to Dayton because that was where my community was, and I was unable to find the the right people for me in Missoula." So, um, I guess yeah, talk about what is a uh, what is community to you? Meaning, so for me, when I say community, it's like I, Missoula, Montana, I feel like it's the only place I could ever live and accidentally fall into the main role of a play. Right. <laughs> I mean, I was at a game night. Yeah. And uh, next thing I know, I'm like, you know, got the lead role in this in this play. And then I was able to make some friends from there. So for me, it's, um, I guess it's acceptance, really. It's like a community that... I, I agree with that. I, so... I never felt accepted in, in Missoula. Really? By and large. Mm, yeah, there's obvious differences. I mean, man. I met Bex out there. And yeah. so obviously... I felt accepted by her, but and 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 by you and by a few other people whom I met. You know, our friend Nate Green, we we, we met in in Missoula, Montana. And so there were there are, there was a handful yeah. of people, but it was ne- I, so I agree with you. Acceptance is part of it. I think preferences are another part of it. Yeah. Desires, having similar desires as people in the community, mm. and so I did. There, there weren't a lot of type threes. You know, the Enneagram type three mm. a- achievers in mm. Missoula, Montana. Oh, I. I, maybe I don't agree with yeah. that. I, the reason why I say that though is because one thing about community for me too is how involved are people in the community? How well do they treat their community? And Missoula is tight knit. Mm-hmm. Not only that, there are some very, very famous people, producers, directors, writers, um, uh, uh, you know, old talent agent. Like there's a ton mm-hmm. of talent in Missoula. Well, there aren't a ton the, of people uh, there. I think <clears throat> is, is the, and so like, it was more difficult because I'm an introvert and I spend way less time. You know, you, you and I talk about the three the three concentric circles of relationship. You have your mm-hmm. primary relationships, which are like the five people who are closest to you, your immediate family, loved ones. Uh, the the second layer, your secondary relationships, so your your good friends and extended family, and the third layer, your sort of you you can either call it acquaintances mm-hmm. or you can call the the people on the periphery. As an introvert, I have far more people in that third tier on the mm-hmm. periphery, yeah, than, than you do. You have way more people on the the second tier than I do. Yeah, like uh, I've got I've got a list of people who I never really got to develop relationships with in Missoula, yeah. and I remember thinking like, well, not even thinking it happened where. When I moved to Missoula, I, you know, had, let's call it five people that I was really close to. One would move away. And then I was like, oh, yes, that means I could bring someone else in that I right. really wanted to get to know. Right. And like I, that list is still pretty long. Yeah. I mean, I, so I, w- I would say, you I know, understand if, what if Dunbar's number is 150, you probably have 100 people in that second tier. <laughs> I have 100 people, 130 
140 people in the third tier. Mm. Um, whereas I have very few secondary relationships. You're either really close to me or I can still call you a friend and we can hang out once or twice a year, but that's that, that's pretty much it for me. I, yeah. I prioritize my, my time alone first. But when I did want to spend time with people, I just didn't have that community of people in Missoula. It doesn't mean they're wrong or I'm wrong. It just there wasn't it was a puzzle piece that didn't fit for yeah, me. Yeah, the one thing that you said that stands out to me is is preferences. Yes. And like that's I think that's what it comes down to. Because you know, going back to that introvert who lives in a cabin in the middle of nowhere in Alaska mm-hmm. who would never live in New York, right. well, vice versa. Like someone in New York may never ever want to go out and live in that cabin in the middle of nowhere. Exactly, and it all comes down to preferences. Yes, absolutely does. So, so I think when we're talking to when we're talking to, to Sarah here, she had two questions. One is about the location. She feels drained. I don't think it's the location that's draining her necessarily. It might be, but I think it's her profession that is draining her. Hmm. And and it might mean that you have to figure out what your mission is. What's the actual mission? And then how do you fulfill that based on your preferences or your personality? And it might mean that you're helping children by writing textbooks or children's books yeah. uh, and that you, you're spending most of your time alone in doing that. Or it might mean that you have to find a way to mentor students one-on-one mm-hmm. because I, with someone like me, I'm much better one-on-one. Whenever we go out as a group, like it's really difficult for me to like, I get overwhelmed. Yeah. But if we just have a sit down one-on-one, uh, in fact, Bex noticed this the other day. Me, you, and Mariah, and Bex all went out to dinner, right? Mm-hmm. The four of us yes. went over to, to Kaya. Yes. And, and afterward, Bex goes, you and Ryan are the only two people I know who can just talk together forever. <laughs> and it's because I have a... Uh, I, I mean, I can't even do that with Bex the way that I, I do it with you. It's because we we've just known each other for so long. Exactly. And we know what the other person is going to say before they say it quite often. Yeah. And we can ba- we have callbacks and little inside jokes that are only funny to us. <laughs> but we think they're really funny. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we're, we swear we're the most hilarious people on earth. But uh, How and, many and, times you got to talk about it doing a joke like with the podcast or something? And you're yeah. like, dude, there's only two people who would find that joke funny. It's so hyper specific. <laughs> Right. Yeah, and uh, and so like you're like, hey, what about Mrs. Cordini? And I'm like, they're not going to get that on the podcast. <laughs> right. um, anyway, shout out to Mrs. Cordini. Yeah. Grade. Um, and uh, so so what I what I learned about you and I is like I'm so much better. Even when like the four of us were together, it was sort of like you and I siphoned ourselves off, and we just had a conversation because it's so much easier for me to do that. Mm. You do just as well or maybe even better amongst a group of people, mm. uh, especially people you don't know. For me, like I would just like, I want to leave immediately. Yeah. So I mean, getting back to Sarah here though, she did sound, I mean, to me, she sounded not that she really liked her profession, but that she was excited about her profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's funny, you, you were saying maybe it's a profession, not the city. When I think about living in New York city, it's, I get drained yes. just thinking about I it. I agree. I agree with that. Oh, New York seems overwhelming to me. And most, like a lot of people who I talk to who live in New York, the biggest complaint that I hear mm-hmm. is how much you have to work in order to, to afford to live there. Yeah. So that, that could be a piece of it for, for Sarah here. Well, that's the having to versus want, getting to, right? Yeah. And so it's like uh, the, the change thing where it's like, you may want a change and you then you accept it but if you're forced into working overtime just to pay the rent yeah. in a roach infested well, new dude, york apartment perfect example is you know we would work you know 50 60 70 80 hour work weeks yeah 
um, we there are some weeks where we will work 50, 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks. Uh-huh. Um, it's definitely far and few between. You're saying then versus now. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, then versus now. So like now it's like we choose to do it. Right. Like you're, you're absolutely right. Like if you were to tell me, all right, Ryan, all right, dude, like in order to make this work, we have to work 80 hours a week from now on. I would be like, dude, like we have to reconsider. <laughs> but, you know, if we are on tour, uh-huh. you know, I mean, when we're on tour, I mean, we're pretty much working all you know all day we get to sleep at night yeah and uh you know 75 percent of the nights we get you know eight hours uh, a chance to sleep eight hours but 25 percent we don't right um but it is much different like choosing to do that uh rather than like yeah yeah just like having that being forced into well yeah being being in control is 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 part of it and right now it sounds to me like what sarah is dealing with she feels like she's not in control and that's why she feels depleted so there there's a good kind of tired and a bad kind of tired Mm -hmm. right you go to the gym and you work out really hard nicodemus lifts all the weights all of them and then after they gotta bring weights in from the back (laughs) (laughs) afterward though you feel like a good kind of tired you you feel exhausted uh but in a good way yeah now she feels depleted in a bad way yeah and where she doesn't feel like she has uh the adequate time for for recharging now if you leave the gym you're like i'm exhausted i'm gonna come back in 40 minutes well all of a sudden it's gonna be like then that doesn't feel good you're gonna feel depleted but when you come back 40 minutes later you're like i have to lift these weights again Mm. and so there's also that time for recovery and that's why i suspect she's an introvert i feel like she's not getting enough time alone to recharge on her own Mm. and then that leads into her second question she says well then i i feel like i'm oversimplifying right i Mm. uh do i ever get there do i ever get to this minimalist life no no i mean i don't think so I i'm mean, almost there dude <laughs> <laughs> i am so close <laughs> well, I, what i've realized is that yes you'll get somewhere that you wanted to be but then there's always going to be somewhere else you want to be and thank goodness for that right yeah. like i feel really happy that we're living here in los angeles now we've got a beautiful studio set up i'm really happy with the apartment that i live in uh i know you're happy with your new apartment that you're in yeah. and this works really well for right now but it does mean it doesn't mean that we won't want to change some point in the future yeah and circumstances are guaranteed to change yes like there's that that, absolutely so minimalism you know when i when i first saw it it was never a destination for me Mm. it was it was like this common sense philosophy that i was like oh like i just need to apply these principles to my life and maybe i can regain some of that control right um but yeah anything could be taken too far right well, yes, yeah. I mean, I think that if uh, if if it's reactionary, the thing we were talking about earlier, we were doing the YouTube pre-roll thing, acting versus reacting, mm-hmm. and maybe that's the question that, that Sarah's trying to figure out here: is is she reacting to the job, and does that make her want to move away, mm-hmm. or is she wanting to take action because that's the appropriate next step in in her life? Yeah, um, you know, when it comes to simplifying and uh, her talking about how she's kind of become addicted to it, or maybe she's like overdoing it, you know, just to reiterate, like you can take anything and, and overdo it. She even talks about, you know, she's, she, uh, the word, uh, obsession she used in her question mm-hmm. and obsession can be a really beautiful thing. Yes. 
really can be uh, until it becomes compulsive. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in fact, you know, I, I think that you know, we often get confused and we think removing the clutter is, is, is the end result. But you and I sometimes talk about how it's really just the first step. You're, right. you're getting rid of the excess so you can make room for your health or your finances or your creativity or your career or your ability to contribute. Mm. You're making room for those things. That's the point. That's the purpose of simplifying. Mm-hmm. There are other benefits. Like it's nice you f- to feel calm in your own home home it's nice to get the excess stuff out of the way you feel better coming home to an intentionally curated home absolutely but that is not the point just the the simplifying so ask yourself why not just the how-to side of things well the cool thing for sarah is so she has minimized her life up to this point Mm -hmm. to the point where you know she's talking about maybe she's taking it too far Mm -hmm. but the cool thing is is that if she does need to pick up and move she could do that very easily. Yeah. And that's what I appreciate about like Mariah and I's possessions and, and what we have in our lives as physical things. It's it's the right amount. Moving it, always sucks, yeah, but it's easier but it's when easy, you're a man. I can turn my life around on a dime. Um yeah. it's 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 really does it's really freeing. And, and part I mean, of the part of the reason you could turn your life around on a dime is because you're untethered from those expectations as mm-hmm. well. Where it's like well, now I'm going to live here for the rest of my life and I'm going to have this particular career for the rest of my life and I'm going to have a family that looks like this for the rest <laughs> of my life. No, you're not tethered to that. You're tethered, you're, you're untethered, which is freeing so that you can explore as your preferences, desires, personality changes over the years, which it should. Yeah, so I think Sarah should get clear on those preferences and if she wants to leave New York, that's okay. But instead of running from New York, she really has to be clear on what she's running towards. Mm. So Sarah, uh, maybe it's time to graduate from New York City and that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah and by the way, you can go back if, if, you, if you ever make the wrong decision. I mean, that, that's the thing. You, and, and hopefully at the end of this, I'm going to talk about some of my favorite cities and why they're some of my favorites. And, and uh, I... What I'm realizing with Sarah here is you're going to make some sort of decision. You're not, and it may not be the perfect decision, but whatever the decision is, you're going to learn from it. The important thing is to take some sort of action to move beyond the situation that's comfortable right now. And that's what kept me where I was for a long time. I was 60% comfortable. Everything was 6 out of 10. And it's like, well, I don't want to feel any real pain. I don't want this to be a 2 or a negative 2 or a negative 5 experience. So I'm going to stay here in my comfort zone. Mm. But after a time, that comfort zone becomes unsettling. It becomes uncomfortable because we're no longer growing. We're not being the best version of ourselves. And then what we desire is no longer being met. Uh, Sarah, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. So Ryan and I, in that book, we talk about life in Dayton, Ohio, and we're paying off some of our debts. But um, also, we talk about moving to that cabin in the middle of nowhere, and there's a whole chapter about that experience. And then the the last chapter in the book is actually about our move to Missoula, Montana, and uh, and then where we're going to go from there. There's there, there's sort of the end of the book talks about like being open to moving to these other locations. Location has played a big part in our lives, and and of course it played a big part in that book as well. So Sean, if you could reach out to Sarah, send her an audiobook version of Everything That Remains. If you like our podcast, you like the audiobook version, or if you want the book book or the ebook, we'll send that to you as well. Our next question is from Javier in Orlando. I'm 42 years old. I have a wife and a seven-year-old son. I recently uh, lost my job 
and I am one of those guys who climbed the corporate ladder, worked at a very, uh, very nice corporate job as a, as a director and making well into six figures. And uh, luckily for me, I lost my job because I've been trying to follow my passion, which is to create and develop video games. And I've always wanted to pursue it, but my debt and my consumption uh, always got in the way. So I have been trying to work with my, my spouse to be able to find a new way to downsize, take the equity in our house, pay off our bills. We have a condo that's $80,000 that we, that we owe on it that we would like to pay off. It's, it's my mother-in-law, so we need to pay that off. I also have about 23000 in that student loan debt from getting my master's degree and my four-year degree that I would like to pay off. And then I would also like to put a good chunk down on a house. And finding a home for under $300,000 is very difficult in our area. I know that downsizing to a, a smaller house that fits what your needs are is the key. But what about the location? Because a lot of times when you downsize, you're also downsizing the quality of your, your neighbors and your the location that you're in. And if you have children, you have to consider those things, especially with the school system. So I want to hear your thoughts on what would be your recommendation for downsizing, but also taking into consideration the location because you end up with a smaller property, you end up closer to people, you lose some of your privacy, and uh, a lot of times you also have a, a lesser location. Dude, this is important to consider, man. What's which part? Well, <laughs> that he he's downsizing, and uh, yes, you know, um, I think as a minimalist, uh, we're trying to find the space that's most appropriate for us. Right. But so he didn't, he if didn't, he's got too big of a space, but did he? He and, didn't. He alluded to that, but I don't know that he said that. And that's I'm a little worried here because he didn't allude to the fact that. He, his space was too big or inappropriate for his yeah, life. Yeah, I think it was about expenses is what he was talking about. Yeah, so he's trying to save some money. So it is so important to consider all these factors that he's talking about uh, when he's moving. So he's Right, but I disagree with, with the, the sentiment. He said, I know that downsizing, I wrote this down, downsizing is the key. Downsizing is not the key. Being debt-free is the key for him right mm, now. Yeah. And, and I think pursuing the wrong thing if mm -hmm. your pursuit is downsizing you'll never have a small enough house because you get into the 200 square foot house and you see someone with the 150 square foot house yeah, I, I, that's the way i took when he said downsizing downsizing is key to me it sounded like ultimately what he was saying is is downsizing is what it's going to take for me and my family to get to uh the meaningful life that we want to get to okay so uh considering that yes like if uh, you want to live in Beverly Hills, right. you're going to pay a premium. Now it's a nicer neighborhood, maybe nicer school district, right. so forth and so on. You move to uh, South Central, it's going to be a lot more affordable, mm -hmm. not the best school district. However, so there, there has to be a middle ground there somewhere, Absolutely. right? Yeah. And, and, and just because the cost of your house, 
he said if you're downsizing the size of your house, it means you may, might have to move to a different neighborhood, mm-hmm. and you're downsizing the quality of the relationships in the neighborhood. I don't agree with that. I mean, I've lived... You and I grew up really poor, and there were great people, and there were terrible people living in our, our respective neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, we are fortunate enough now to not live in, in, in a neighborhood like that. However, um, there are still good people and bad people who live in my building my apartment building that that we live in yeah and 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 so i think that just because you're downsizing your space doesn't mean that you downsize the quality of your relationships of course not uh, most of the the sort of middle income places houses that he's talking about you often improve your relationship because you, you you become um you enter into a proximity of a community of people who yeah. care about that community. Well, I mean, the things that he listed off, he said, you know, smaller property, quality of neighbors, school system, closer to people, loose in privacy, lesser location. I mean, those sounds like those are preferences that are very, very important to him. Sure. And my biggest advice, Javier, is just like with Sarah, get clear on your preferences, get clear on your family's preferences. That's where you've got to start. I mean, it's the same thing with... Uh, you know, where we started with minimalism, it was, oh, let's get clear on what our actual priorities are. Uh-huh. And now let's talk about how we can act on these priorities and live a meaningful life. The same thing here is where uh, Javier needs to get clear on what his preferences are. And once he has those uncovered, then he can start approaching neighborhoods and start approaching houses and, and figuring out what uh, what, what is going to be within his price range and he's going to, going to compromise as little preferences as possible. I think there's always a compromise. Like when I think about Mariah and I's new place, mm-hmm. our place is awesome, dude. One of the best views I have seen in the city. Like it's so freak. The only view better that I can think of is on top of the Netflix building. That one is awesome. <laughs> but the neighborhood sucks. Uh-huh. Like, the, dude, I was, I was telling Sean, I was walking to work this morning. There was at least a half a dozen people just like, sleeping on the street and, and and it's not that I have anything against homeless people but it just it just tells the type of neighborhood that it's in it's in Hollywood it's a bit rough around the edges in Hollywood mm-hmm. it's safe um I just had this realization the other day like my life's probably not in danger around here like I might get heckled or someone might you know there might be a crazy person like throwing something at me but like right. it's really not that dangerous but what I'm getting at is is that Mariah and I we chose and we discussed what our our, our, our preferences were. We got really And you rank them. You prioritize yes. what your preferences are. And the are. view was huge for us. Like the view was like number one or number two. And for me, it doesn't matter at all. And so list. you have to factor that in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the neighborhood for us, it was it was obviously lower on the preferences. Yeah, and for me, it was much higher. Right. I, I wanted a particular type of walkability and... and, and particular uh, group of people to be around, a community. Yes. Like I would definitely say uh, the, the, the... I don't want to say that the neighbors that we have are lesser quality than than the neighbors that you have. But, you know, to, to Javier's point, like it is a different, there's a different community in in Hollywood versus, versus where you're at. Yeah. 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 And and, and so uh, the, the thing that I wanted to say early on to Javier was congratulations for losing your job. Sometimes we need to be pushed. He said, luckily I lost my job. Yeah. Dude, that is so awesome. It's great framing. And I, I, I I say bravo to you for that. However, you have debt right now. You might have to find another job temporarily. Yeah, man. And I think that's an important thing to realize. It doesn't mean you have to go back and be in the corporate world for a long period of time, but you have to figure if your outcome is to get out of debt, 
then that requires you're going to have to do some stuff that don't align with your long-term vision, but your long-term vision is actually to live life debt-free. Now, you've got some other stuff here. You've, it sounds like he has $23,000 of student loans. Mm -hmm. Not that big big of a deal on the grand scope of things, but you have an $80,000 condo. You said it's your mother-in-law's condo. I have no idea what you're doing with that, but you don't... If you if you owe money on that, get rid of it. If you have a a, a, a rental property that, that that but you you don't actually own it, the bank owns it. Find a way to get rid of that because that is a burden on you right now. Now th that said, it could also be a blessing if it's paid off and it's making you rental income every month, and yeah. that that is great. But you're not in a position to be in debt for a a rental property, mm -hmm. and so whatever you have to do to get out of debt, that sounds like he wants to sell his house. He wants mm -hmm. to sell this condo. But you're also going to, if that doesn't get you the money you need to pay off a uh, pay off your house and put enough down on a smaller house uh, and pay off the rest of your debt, then you're going to have to get a, a job for a while. And there's no shame in that. It's okay. In fact, there should be a lot of pride and I'm working my butt off so I can become debt free and I'm never going to go back into debt again, other than this mortgage, which by the way, I'm going to hustle really hard to pay off this mortgage too. Yeah. Man, Javier, when you get debt free, buddy, that is like the sound, the sound of debt free doesn't feel like the feeling it gives you when you think about being debt-free it's that the feeling is so much better when you are actually debt-free right like i thought even more free than i thought i was gonna feel <laughs> being debt-free but uh, you know getting back to what you talked about earlier he's got to find the middle ground here yes i mean if it's about uh saving money and getting debt-free and if that's his number one goal then move to boone county kentucky <sighs> go buy yourself a, house, a decent house for twenty thousand bucks <laughs> and <laughs> pay off your debt now right uh probably don't want to move to boone county kentucky but but that's why it's so important to find this middle ground yeah so how, so when you when they're listing out preferences what how do you prioritize those meaning do you look at the top five because you know for mariah and I, I think maybe we probably looked at the top five mm -hmm. um but i guess you know do you got any advice on that where when yeah. you go for it yeah so i, I think it requires the whole family um, absolutely your son's seven so i wouldn't consider his preferences nearly as much um <laughs> And in fact, I think it's one of the problems we often do is we overconsider our children's preferences. Like, what? Hey, uh, sweetheart, what do you want for dinner? No, here, here's what you're going to eat for dinner. You're seven years old. <laughs> and I'm going to decide what, because you're going to say you want, you know, uh, Pop Tarts or whatever for dinner. You mm -hmm. don't get to decide that. Yeah. Right. So, however, you want to keep your son's best interest in mind when you're making it. That's part of the decision. And and someone who's seven doesn't always have their own long-term best interests in mind. Yeah. I, I think back to Dayton, Ohio is a good example. It's not just the city. It's the neighborhood, depending on what your preferences are, right? Like if I move back to Dayton now, I'd probably want to move to a place like Oakwood because their schools are an A and Dayton public city schools are graded an F. And, and mm. even though they're half a mile apart, yeah. uh, Literally, I mean, you, you go to University of Dayton and you cross the street, you're in Oakwood, but right. you're in an A school district, and yeah. that, that would make sense. However, last time I lived there, I didn't want to live in Oakwood because I wanted to be downtown, right? And mm -hmm. so I had the, the schools did not play a role in my my decision making, mm -hmm. and so schools are going to be uh, uh, are going to be important for you. A walkability might be important for you, or it might not matter at all. Our good friend TK, uh, TK Coleman, mm -hmm. he just moved to South Carolina from Los Angeles, and, and obviously he doesn't care about hurricanes. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's in Atlanta while the hurricane. By the is way, going I hope on. everyone in South who lives in South Carolina hearing this is yeah. safe and sound, and their friends and family and stuff. And anywhere in the Carolinas, for yeah, sure. But absolutely. Um, one, he lives on. Uh, uh, he's moving to like this. Uh, the there, I guess there's an island there that you have you can drive to. And 
for me, proximity to the office is really important. Like we live two, I live, I live two and a half miles from the studio mm -hmm. right here, and so I can walk here if I want to, um, or if I'm going to drive here, it takes me, you know, just a, uh, less than 15 minutes to get here, right? Mm -hmm. However, for him. Uh, he wanted to be in a neighborhood that he, that worked well for him. He had the grocery. He wanted he wanted to be away from. He wanted to be really close to nature and wanted to be away from the sort of hustle and bustle of the city. So he drives thirty to forty five minutes each way to mm -hmm. work and back because he doesn't mind the commute. In fact, he enjoys the commute for him because it allows him to listen to audio books while he and gives him some alone time. For yeah. me, if I had, I remember when I was. Um, well, actually, here's here's a, a similar example when. Uh, I got the promotion. I was working downtown Cincinnati. I still live downtown Dayton, and I made that 55-mile drive. Sometimes it would take me an hour and a half, two hours to make it down to Cincinnati because I wanted to live in Dayton over Cincinnati. I, right. I, had, I had a preference there, yeah. right? And part of that has to do with logically looking at these things and saying, okay, here are my 100 preferences, 50 preferences, whatever they are. Write them all down with the people in your household, yeah. but then also realize the logical side that isn't going to get you 100% of the way there sometimes it's about how a particular neighborhood or city or community is going to make you feel it's unquantifiable you just know you feel a certain way when you're there so they got a list of 50 preferences uh -huh. they can't obviously honor all 50 preferences I right. mean, maybe they can't. I'm not saying it's impossible, but probably sure. not the right expectation. No, and th but then you prioritize and you say, what is most important to me? And so each of you picks your top three. Here are the things that really make the most sense. Bex and I did our top five, mm -hmm. and we had a list of the things that are, well, here are our 10 preferences. Now, there was some overlap for mm -hmm. us as well. And, and realizing like, okay, if you're getting this, I may not get this. Right. But what is going to be the thing that makes us most happy together? And realizing, uh, I know Bex, she really wanted to live like she, close to the beach when we moved out here. Mm -hmm. But like we also realized we weren't. It wasn't a big enough preference that we were going to use it. That, that we were going to use the you know, access to the beach every day. Mm -hmm. And by the way, we still have access to the beach now. We just have to drive half an hour west to to get there, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 realizing like, oh, just because it's right there, you live a block from the subway yeah i don't know how often you use it well yeah i've actually not been on it once yet but i i was thinking i was talking to mariah about this the other day um we need to get on there and just like ride the subway for a day and kind of check it out i mean i've done but that with it takes, Ella. it takes an hour and a half or like hour and 20 minutes to get to santa monica from the subway I could right. drive there in like 30, 45 minutes exactly. on traffic. Yeah, because you have to you have to go downtown in order to, to get Transfer there. Transfer and my, stuff. Yeah. My point is, it sounds really good when you move there, but if mm -hmm. that, it, you're like, oh yeah, if that becomes your decision for, for moving there, it, we can justify anything. We start to say, well, yeah, it's really close to the subway. That's why I'm moving there. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I use it once a week. Right. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, or, now for me, walkability is something that is most important. I walk places every day. I, yeah, I go often, you know, we were talking about this before the podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll go three, four, five days without using my car. Yeah. Sometimes a week without using my car. And, and, and that's why that was something that was like top on my list. Great weather, which you're going to get pretty much anywhere in Los Angeles, was, was part of the thing on my list. In fact, it was one of the, the big bummers for me living in... Missoula is, I'm really affected by sort of like seasonal, they call it seasonal, depression. Or, seasonal grayness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and Missoula gets really gray in the winter, snowy and gray. Yeah. And uh, it's very Pacific Northwest plus snow. And, and so there's like this nine month period where you have to deal with winter. And um, it, 
it definitely affected my mood because I wasn't able to walk a lot outside. I'd have to go to the gym and just walk around the track for hours at a time. Right. And it was just not appropriate for me. Mm-hmm. In the summer, it was great. Yeah. It was really great. But after that, it was like, oh, like this isn't, this doesn't match my preferences. So if we're, if we're talking to uh, Javier here, and I think you have to get really clear on what, if you and your wife sit down and say, okay, there's, there's the three of us, my wife, our seven-year-old son, and me, what? does my ideal neighborhood look like? Is it in Orlando? It, it may or may not be. You might love your community there in Orlando. Mm-hmm. It may be somewhere else. You might move over to St. Petersburg because you're like, I really like how, how great it is over there or St. Augustine or you're, or maybe you go somewhere else altogether. Maybe you go to Dayton, Ohio because mm-hmm. y- the cost of living is so cheap there and you can, by the way, you can design video games from anywhere in the world or maybe there's a place like uh, LA or elsewhere where there's this big video game design community and it makes sense to have proximity to those people. That's one of the reasons we, we came to Los Angeles. We wanted proximity yeah. to, I mean, in, in LA you get proximity to people. This is where entertainment is, where people go to make movies and tell stories and uh, be on our podcast. We have access to more people here than we did in Missoula, Montana or somewhere else. Yeah, dude, and I cannot agree with you. I cannot agree with you more about just because the neighborhood is less expensive that you're going to have like a less quality of neighbors. In fact, thinking about that, <laughs> like in the nicer neighborhoods, you actually might have worse neighbors. You know what I'm saying? Like true. you can have good or bad neighbors no yeah, matter where how, you how go. Do you, how do you define good and bad, right? Right, exactly. Like, what does a good neighbor look like to you? Because um, yeah. well, I was going to talk to talk about this during the added value, but I sent you that documentary. I don't know if you, you saw it yet on, on Dayton, Ohio. It's yeah. called Left Behind America. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends in Dayton aren't very happy with the way Frontline portrayed the city. Right. Because there's a lot of despair in this documentary. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. But um, it shows the despair side of Dayton, and particularly West Dayton, where we're trying to build the, the grocery store there. There's yeah. not 40% of, the, of Dayton's population lives on the West Side. There's not a single grocery store in the, the entire West Side of Dayton. Yeah. And, and, but there's also a whole bunch of. Uh, drug overdoses going on in Dayton. There's a whole like overdose police force helping people out because Golly. there's an opioid epidemic there. Uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that people, uh, a lot of people lost their jobs there when GM left. Mm. And there were very physical jobs. So very physical jobs often lead to back pain or shoulder pain or knee pain, ankle pain, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they were prescribed a lot of opioids uh, during you know the, this period of time. And then you lose your job, you lose your insurance, and mm-hmm. then you can't afford the prescription drugs and people are often turning to heroin and there's a whole bunch of overdoses because there's fentanyl mixed in with the heroin now and and there's a huge like drug problem going on all across America. I mean Dayton is just like Buffalo or Rochester or Akron or Toledo or or, or any of these other cities where a lot of manufacturing base was was established and then people lost their jobs. But what the documentary didn't show, it, it, it showed a little bit of the hope. At the very end, there's like five to ten minutes of, oh, there's actually hope here because there are people in the community. Mm. In West Dayton, one of the, the poorest neighborhoods in the country, yeah. there are people over there that are that, that are working on a solution. There's outstanding people in this outstanding city. <clears throat> They're trying to build a grocery store. There's whole, just, just so much revitalization going on yeah. in Dayton. They didn't show that piece. They... they they shine the light on the problems and gave you a little bit of hope, but to me, it's 
I saw real hope there because of the community, because the people are working together. You and I have worked together at the House of Bread in Dayton a bunch of times. Yeah. And you realize, like, these people who are volunteering here are people who are making $25,000 a year. Mm-hmm. They're not rich. Right. And there are other people who are making $250,000 a year who are also volunteering right next to them. Yeah. Because they have a common objective, and it's helping the people in their community. And so ultimately, the question is, how are you going to find a community in which you can participate? Now, participating might mean working in a soup kitchen. It it might mean doing Habitat for Humanity. Or it might mean just going and having game night with the other people in your community, if that's something you want to do. What does participation look like in, in, in your plan here? All right, well, uh, Javier, I would love to send you a copy of our book, Essential. It's an essay collection with 150 different essays in it, but there's 12 different chapters, and there's a chapter about downsizing in there. It's called Stuff. Uh, that's the name of the chapter. Uh, 11, or I'm sorry, 12 different areas of living and intentional life are outlined in that book. So, Sean, if you could send Javier a copy of Essential, either the audio book, the ebook, or the book book, I would appreciate it. And, of course, we'd love to hear what you all have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about, well, the city you live in or the location you're moving to, including advice for any of our callers today, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. And stay tuned to the end of this episode for this week's listener comments and tips. Ryan, what time is it? It's time for our lightning round where we answer questions from the social medias. Indeed, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Minimalists during the lightning round. This is where Ryan and I each do our best to answer every question with just a short, shareable uh, less than 140 character response. We'll also put the text of those minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our quotes in one place, minimalmaxims.com. Our first question is from Shane. Shane writes in, why are some places happier than others? For example, why is Denmark happier overall? Happier well, than the U.S.? Well, I mean, so I have a pithy answer that I'll share in a second, but Denmark itself isn't happy. It is an inanimate state, uh, an inanimate piece of land with borders drawn around Mm -hmm. it, right? Uh, And so the people in Denmark are on average happier based on some fairly um, uh, subjective surveys as well, right? Mm -hmm. Happiness is obviously subjective, right? Mm -hmm. So my pithy answer, though, and keep this in mind, uh, my pithy answer is don't mistake others' happiness for your own. And and I think first you look at some of the, the happiest countries. There are some of the safest countries. Yeah. But then also the least happy countries are often the least safe countries. You look at places like Chad. Mm. It's one of the most unhappy places on earth because it's so dangerous. Or South Sudan. Wow. Very dangerous. So it's hard to be happy when your life is in danger all day, right? Yeah. However, some of the least happy countries are also countries like Luxembourg, which makes the most money per capita in the entire world. Least happy country, uh, least developed country, least happy developed country is Luxembourg. Mm. Now, so, so there is a, a certain level of, of safety that lends itself to 
happiness flourishing. But beyond that, more money isn't going to make you safer or happier right. or more content. In fact, it can make you more isolated. And that's what I think you're seeing in a place like Luxembourg. If you feel more isolated, you might feel less happy. And so when I look at the, the happiness of a place, I don't want to confuse my happiness for someone else's happiness. You and I could go live in Edmonton. In fact, I'd love to live in Edmonton. Yeah, I Saskatoon. Think, yes. Uh, th- these are these are good. I could be happy there regardless of whether or not that the most people identify that place with happiness. And also, I could move to Denmark and be miserable. A lot of that has to do with my own mindset. Yeah. it's. I think being around happy people is going to make someone... It's going to give them the chance to be happier, but it doesn't guarantee someone's happiness. Yeah. So just, you know, just kind of adding to your point about don't mistake other people's happiness for your own. I mean, that's why it's like if you're a miserable, depressed person, right. move. you might just actually make everyone else unhappy around you <laughs> if you move to the where everyone's happy. I mean, it's it's, true. it's it's possibility. But I do understand that, yes, the more happy people you hang around, then the, the more of a chance you have to to be happy, I guess. I mean, I could see that correlation too. Uh, my pithy answer is the more we contribute to our community, the happier we make our community. Dude, this for me, going back to Missoula, that is why going back to the drum circle thing, man, like that is, it's not the, the actual drum circle as much as it was. The community was so, I felt like it was very welcoming and I remember hanging out at uh, the Top Hat. Shout out to the Top Hat in Missoula. We're out back. Um, there's, it's like a little concert venue. Yeah. You've been there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sean's been there. there. A couple months Podcast ago. Sean's been there. Um, we were out back on the patio, and I was just like having a beer, and um, I was talking to someone out there. I, it's, I'd probably lived in, we just moved there, uh, probably a month I'd been there. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to someone about how awesome missoula was i was like dude and i'm you know i'm telling him everything that i told you the you know the story about la petite the waterfall the little hot warm springs uh you know how awesome the community is and he's like dude he said the reason why this community works is because everyone has to be that way if, if people aren't out, go out of their way to be accepting if people don't go out of their way to contribute to the community mm-hmm. well then this doesn't work yeah. and the only reason it works is because everyone contributes so we can by by contributing to our community i mean maybe it's just like a fraction but we do make a happier community yeah it's it's the uh, that same conversation i was having with amy about about the cost of living in a place like la also dayton doesn't even though for all its struggles with lack of food lack of uh um well, uh, the, the opioid problem, you know, the underemployment or unemployment problem, there are problems there. There also isn't much of a homeless problem. There isn't a significant homeless problem because mm-hmm. the cost of living is way cheaper in a place yeah. like Dayton. You, you go to downtown Los Angeles, you go to Skid Row, and you're faced with uh, a significant homeless problem. I think there's 90,000 homeless people in Los Angeles, and a big, big chunk of the reason why has to do with the housing affordability. And, well, and the weather too in LA is pretty nice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but but you have you go to a place that has higher homelessness. There there's there are several studies out there now that will will show you. It often has to do with the the public policies for keeping housing really high. Mm. Uh, the the expense of housing is is a key factor in the amount of homelessness that happens in a in a, in a city. And so uh, it's it, I mean that's something worth keeping in mind. I, I look at at um 
again that 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 goes back to the dangerous thing if you're if you're obviously if you're you're homeless or you you're not living in a in a place that you feel safe mm-hmm. uh, then it's going to affect your happiness beyond that though meeting the the basic requirements for for your own safety and certainty it has a lot more to do with being steeped in a community that is willing to help each other out yeah i could not agree more all right valerie wants to know when selecting a place to live how important are transportation options well my, my short answer to that is to we get can't one. Own, if we can't own a lamborghini then we ain't moving there <laughs> <laughs> no, i didn't write that down oh to get where you're going you must have a way to get there is is um <laughs> yeah i mean it, it that's that's my pithy answer um it transportation it depends on what you mean by transportation i own a car that is transportation mm-hmm. i have two legs thankfully and that allows me to walk a bunch of places i want to walk and so for me having access uh being in a centrally located neighborhood was something that was important to me uh public transit in a lot of uh, in a lot of cities like especially los angeles public transit is not great there are other cities like new york city where public transit is truly outstanding mm-hmm. if you want to get somewhere it's going to make less sense for you to own a car if you're living in manhattan than if you're living in los angeles however in a place like los angeles it's 88 different municipalities in la county you can walk a lot of la is is actually very walkable as long as you're not trying to go from pasadena to venice right (laughs) Right. um and even then public transit you can do that you can get from venice to pasadena yeah take a bus up to santa monica then you take a line downtown you go from downtown up to pasadena but it's also gonna and i've done this with with ella it's gonna take you two and a half hours probably to get out there and so you have to keep that in mind where are you going and then living in proximity to that is also pretty helpful yeah, the vehicle we regularly use isn't nearly as important as sticking to our budget. So ultimately, for me, man, it doesn't matter. Like, I prefer public transit. We don't have awesome public transit in LA, so I use my car more than public transit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've used I've used the bus system a couple times, um, but like, you know, I, I I would prefer a system like Portland. Like Portland's got this awesome public transit system. Right. Um, that would be ideal for me. However, uh, you can't always get that. You can't always you know get your number one preference. So for me. It's not about moving to a city where they have to have this awesome public transit as much as it's like, am I going to be able to get from point A to point B without going into debt? That's really what it comes down to. And can I afford it? Right. And, or if public transit is your number one preference, then be honest with yourself about that, right? If, if, if that is the, the number one way you want to get around, around and that's really important to you, then consider that closely mm-hmm. uh, when you're like, okay, short commute for me is, is a big preference, right? Yeah. Uh, having access to, to walkability is a big preference for me, but that may not be your preference. So just asking the, the blanket question, how important are the transportation options? That's a question I would actually put back on Valerie here is how important are they to you? When I look at TK Coleman, he would rather drive 45 minutes and live in the neighborhood in which he wants to live than live really close to the office and not live somewhere he wants to live. All right, uh, P.S. Ryan, we have one more question. That question is from Gary. Gary asks, what is it about turning 40 years old that makes me want to throw away all my stuff, sell my house, and move to literally any other city? (laughs) Uh, I I can definitely resonate with this, but if you want to hear our answer to that question, you can listen to this week's Postscript episode over at the Minimalist Private Podcast, available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. So if you want to support our show and keep this podcast 100% advertisement-free, then head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. 
In addition to our weekly postscript episodes, the Minimalist Private Podcast feed includes our monthly Ask the Minimalist Anything episodes, unreleased recordings of our live events, and the entire back catalog of past private episodes. And once you become a supporter, you'll receive a personal link to our private podcast feed so that it plays right there in your normal podcast player. You can find all the details and all the good stuff over at theminimalists.com slash support. And here is a snippet from this week's Postscript episode. It was just running away from something. And and I think that's what it is. It's wanting to change our geography. We think that's going to change the situation we're in. But unless we fix the situation that we're in, mm-hmm. changing the geography is probably just going to get you right back into that same situation. Or maybe even worse because you're no longer surrounded by any of the support group that you had previously. All right, Ryan, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. So we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. I was going to just talk about, um, I, I wanted to talk about that, that documentary um, first and foremost. Like that, the Left Behind America, like it left an impact on me. I shared it with some friends and mm. I started, it makes, it's really difficult for me to get me to tear up about anything, but like you could see a community that truly cares. Mm-hmm. And I, I get some of the complaints from the documentary, especially if you live in Dayton, it makes the city look way worse than it actually is. Mm-hmm. But the other problem can also be true. Like you and I could go make a documentary about the city of Dayton and make it look super, super rosy Yeah, because I, I'm I am a raving fan when it comes to Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, and I could just show you all the really cool stuff. The world's largest claw over at uh, Proto Build Bar. <laughs> the, you know what I'm talking about, I right? Do, yeah, it's five bucks to play the claw game. Right. Um, and I mean, seriously, Tie Nine Press Coffee. Yeah, I mean, Press Coffee House, best coffee house in Ohio, one of the best in the entire country. Press Coffee House. They just opened up a second location. They're working on a second location. Get out of here, over in Belmont. Congratulations. That's awesome, man. Yeah. If they're listening to this, congratulations, because guys, that's awesome. Yeah, and so uh, Press has opened up a second location. Tie Nine is the best Thai food in the country. The Air Force base is there. I mean, uh, I mean the the museum. Air Force Museum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the base is there too. Well, yeah, that's where I was. Born. You can't really get on the base unless you have clearance. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I was born there. I snuck in. <laughs> <laughs> you snuck into this world, Millie. <laughs> I, I used to actually manage a retail store at the Air Force Base. Did you ever go to that one? I never was there. It was yeah. like, we had it there for, it was temporary, right? Less than a year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but it, it was a, a really strange thing. Like, the base has its own sort of shopping mall yeah. only for employees. Yeah, that's really wild. Um, but, yeah, so I managed a retail store up there. So, I had I had clearance to get on. They make you do a whole background check and everything. But, um, so, so, Dayton, Ohio has a lot to recommend it. So, I could show you that side of, of Dayton, or I could show you what the 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 downtrodden side. And but guess what? I could do that with LA. With I could place. do that with Philadelphia. Yeah, we were just talking about that in Sao Paulo. It's like, oh yeah, th- people were trying to scare us so much. They uh-huh. weren't trying to scare us. They were just trying to make sure we were safe. Sure. To the point where I was, I started to get trepidation, like just to walk down the street. And then I, I you know, totally pushed through that because that's what I do. Uh, and then Sean and I are walking around, and I'm like, we're walking around. I'm like, dude, this is just like LA. It's like. There are places you go and you don't go. Yeah. There are places that are perfectly safe at night, and then there are places you wouldn't even dare go at night. In the same city. And Absolutely. That's, that's how Dayton, Ohio is. That's how Los Angeles is, San Francisco, everywhere else. I mean, you, you go pretty much anywhere, mm-hmm. and you're going to find that. And and finding what is appropriate for you is going to be different, uh, also depending on where you are in life. Now, I can tell you that that documentary, <laughs> it really it shined a light on the need 
for some change. Also, the people who have been left behind. Do you think maybe the documentary was so, I want to say harsh, but that's not the right word, but just for the sake of keeping this conversation going, do you think the documentary was so harsh towards Dayton, Ohio mm-hmm. to really call to attention how much help people need and, and and not not just in Dayton but you know you think about places like Detroit um I mean there are a lot of cities where you've got this downtrodden uh they've got drug problems they've got poverty um they've got crime mm-hmm. and you know personally I feel like that th- we do need to do something we are I mean we're trying to help gem city build their, their grocery store there right so do you think maybe they heavy-handed it maybe that's the right word they heavy-handed the bad side of Dayton yeah uh, because they wanted to really motivate people to help Dayton. I, I, I think so. Yeah. And I mean, and that's why I get it. Like I, I was talking to my friend Mike about this and he was like, yeah. Cause I was like, look, Dayton's beautiful. There's all these revital, uh, revitalizing efforts throughout the city, but also there is this other side. Um, and I saw a lot of hope in that despair. Yeah. And he goes, well, yeah, you and I know what's going on in Dayton, but mm-hmm. to the outside person, this isn't going to make someone want to move here. No. Um, well, that's not the point of the documentary. <clears throat> right. It, although for me, it actually did. I, I, I saw it and I'm like, I want to help. Yeah. Uh, be, and, and I don't have to move there to help, but but I... No, I mean, we're helping now with, like we just talked about Yeah, it. with the Gym City thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so uh, it made me actually not, want to not be complacent. And it should spur some people into action. And to answer your question, I think what they were trying to show, Dayton is middle America. Although... In the early 1900s, it was Silicon Valley. Yeah, Dayton had more patents per capita. You know, NCR was there. The Wright brothers are there. Uh, There's this thriving community of people in the in the first half of the 20th century, mm-hmm. where it was the Silicon Valley. It yeah. was it was the hub of American innovation. Yeah, and it's not that anymore. But it also shows you that this booming place, just like Silicon mm-hmm. Valley is now. That can have a downturn. That that any place, even though it's thriving right now, can have a downturn. Yeah, dude, it's it's just funny too because I think there's something to be said about complacency too. Um, like when I think about the the arcade, for example, yeah. like that was Dayton pre- Arcade. Yeah, the Dayton Arcade. It was predicated off of consumerism, mm-hmm. and you know when I when I think about that 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 empty building that we were in. It was a representation of what happens when you focus only on consumerism. Well, and what's fascinating about that is it actually it started as a community hub, and that's when it thrived, right? Right, and then it turned, in, yeah, and then it turned into consumerism. Exactly. So I think the same thing I'm trying to get at is with complacency when you are, you know, the have the most patents, you're the Silicon Valley of your day like you start to become complacent and you start to just look in the mirror and say, yep, we're awesome. We're awesome. We're awesome. And then it's awesome until it isn't. Yeah. In fact, they had the mayor in this documentary, the, the guy who was mayor, for, I think from 82 to 86. And uh, what my friend, one of my friends told me was like, yeah, he's basically one of the people who presided over the downturn and didn't do anything about it because there were people in the community who were being complacent. Mm. And one of the, the lines that the mayor said was, we thought NCR would be here forever and we're still upset about it. And it's like, well, the problem is... You became complacent. You became complacent. You assumed that everything was going to stay the same yes. for, for all eternity. What a... Oh, I'm sorry, what a bad leader. Yes. 
Like that's horrible. Dude. Oh, absolutely. So what, the thing I wanted to talk about, Ryan, was uh, my five favorite cities. We've been all over the the we've been all over the world, but uh, my five favorite cities in well uh, North America. Um, I have I have them written down here. We can talk about each of them briefly, but part of it has to do with the way a place makes me feel when i go there mm. like you said we went on that first tour and yeah every city i go to i really would like to live in kansas city this is mm-hmm. really great but after looking at it sort of objectively and subjectively my five favorite cities are oakland mm-hmm. because it reminds me of dayton but with really nice weather <laughs> um and there it's it's nice and walkable it's crazy expensive now it wasn't always that way but because san yeah. francisco is so expensive oakland has become 10 know, years ago people were not saying let's move to oakland no no now it's like wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can afford it let's move to oakland right um tucson i love tucson in yeah. fact almost moved there in 2014 because um, we we were there on tour and we were doing this book fe- in fact it's in our documentary minimalism mm-hmm. but um there was just I, the only way I can describe Tucson is it made me feel unlike any city I had ever made me feel up to that point. And uh, I had found some good people in the community, even though we were there for less than a week. Yeah. Like I remember like, oh, this is a place that feels right to me. And I couldn't necessarily give you a list and compare that to other cities and say, well, here are the 10 reasons that Tucson is my favorite city. Uh, and, and no, it, it just it made me feel a particular way, right? Mm-hmm. And it made me want to go back there. So I've only been back there once but uh, since then. But um, I just remember leaving there with uh, with a great feeling. Uh, Salt Lake City, you and I have been there a bunch of times because yeah. it was one of the, the I closest. I like that city like more and more every time I go. I think it's so well, it's, it's so intentionally planned, right? Yeah. And when it was built up too, all the mid-century modern architecture, the way the streets are planned, they're all 660 feet, The um, each block is. Uh, of course, Utah Jazz are there, so I'm I'm a big fan. Yeah, they're poised to have a really good season this year. Um, but uh, there's just something about Salt Lake as well that you go there and the mountains are so gorgeous. The Salt Lake itself is gorgeous, right outside. People the that city. are awesome, awesome community. The amazing people, yeah. great coffee shops, um, and there's like this interesting because uh, uh, the, the Church of, of Latter Day Saints is there, but then mm-hmm. there's also like this counterculture of people who get along with those people who happen to not be Mormons. And it makes for this interesting dynamic because not everyone is the same there, mm-hmm. but everyone tends to share similar values, yeah. even though they might have different different beliefs. So Salt Lake City is a great city. Uh, Los Angeles, this is where we live right now. And, and I, I really enjoy living here. The weather is amazing. I found pockets of people who are, are truly amazing. It took a while to find those people because yeah. you're, you're sifting through. The thing about LA is you can have whatever you want. It has everything, but uh-huh. you have to really be clear on what you want. And then once you get clear on what you want, you have to go out and find you it. To find it, and it's so figuring out what you want. Uh, that that's hard. That's a hard task in itself. And mm-hmm. then going out and finding those those pockets of people, like that's even more difficult. But dude, I totally agree. Like once you find your peeps in LA, yeah, in like your communities, like it's yeah, it's one of my favorite places. And then Dayton, Ohio. That's that's in my, my top five as well. And part of that has to do with the familiarity familiarity we talked about. Part of it has to do with this lack of pretense. Mm. Uh, it's a it's a blue collar city, and there is very little pretentiousness in in the city. And mm-hmm. like I feel about Dayton the same way you felt about Missoula when 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 you moved there. Like you found you were able to connect easily with the people, and I've always been able to connect easily with the people of Dayton. Yeah. And some honorable mentions for me: Fargo, San Antonio, Saint Petersburg, Florida, Edmonton, 
and uh, and San Diego. Those are all five cities where there. I I don't know that I would ever live there necessarily, but I know that I would thrive in any of those those five cities. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? I've got like two cities, Missoula and LA. Yeah. <laughs> those are about the only two places I want to live. There you go. I could I could live in. Like you said, I could live anywhere and be happy. Mm-hmm. But like my preference, I mean, so far, like Missoula and LA by far, I, th- I think are my two favorite cities. Um, yeah, I mean, talking about all these cities, I know people are like, yeah, that's great. If I could afford to go to these cities, how can I get to these cities if I'm on a tight budget? Uh-huh. Well, let me tell you how this podcast is brought. I'm just kidding. It's not brought to you by anyone. But I am going to recommend uh, Skyscanner. I think it's .com or maybe it's .net. I don't know. Sean will have it in the show notes. Podcast. What Sean is Skyscanner? Podcast channel, put that in the show notes. Um, Sky Scanner is basically a app or a, a company. It's kind of like Kayak, but what you can do is you can say, hey, I got vacation from January 1st to January 14th, mm-hmm. and then you just pick those dates, and then you could just click an option to go anywhere in the world, and then it just starts to show you all these affordable options. Okay, um, It is... If you if you can use so I have a friend who like you know she just loves like the, the travel hacking stuff right yeah and she's really good at it but if you if you use Skyscanner and you accompany that with like couch surfing I mean I've seen her go on uh, trips to India and not spend more than you know four hundred bucks oh, wow. or five hundred bucks yeah so um, is it easy to like go on these long vacations super cheap again no like uh, nothing in life worth doing is is, is generally easy. Hmm. Um, but you put some work into it, uh, watch some prices, get on, get on couch surfing and, you know, make some friends in the community and you could, you can go to almost anywhere in the world and not have to spend, you know, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, whatever it may be. It's so funny, dude. Like when I see on the prices, right. Or like wheel of fortune, which I haven't watched in forever, but I just remember like they would win that trip and you just win this trip to Spain and it's worth $8,767. And I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm never going to be able to go to Spain. Because I'm never going to drop $9,000 on a trip. Like, wow, how lucky are they to win that? Right. But, you know, now with the technology we have and the tools we have, you can do that for a fraction of, of what uh, what people typically think it takes to, right. to get out of their city and to it, get somewhere else. It's a non-traditional route. I mean, you talked about couch surfing. We met a whole bunch of people while we were doing our first tour who lent their houses out to couch surfers and people. We met a lot of people on couch surfing. Yeah. And... and what we realized is like, oh, there are, are these unconventional ways to do this mm-hmm. that if you can't afford the traditional way, you can still explore these places. And so if you're looking for a place to move, uh, it's not about finding the city that's perfect for you. It's about maybe testing two, three, or four, or five of them out. And you can start with Tucson and Salt Lake City or Missoula or New York City or wherever, mm-hmm. and you can test that out for a week before committing to living there for a month or a year or the rest of your life. All right, let's move on to right here, right now. So we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. My partner, Rebecca, is starting back up her 23-day priorities reset over at minimalwellness.com. She's a, a registered dietitian and a nutritionist and also extremely, extremely healthy and fit. And um, what she tries to help people do with a 23-day reset is is really help people reset their priorities so they can be a healthier, better version of themselves. So she only takes 30 people at a time, and those tend to sell out, but uh, the October one is coming up. So if you're interested in that, it's just minimalwellness.com. I wrote down here, send flowers. This is something we've been doing with the minimalists, Ryan. Uh, 
recently we've we've just had a few people reach out to us on social media so i've had jess send some flowers to them like not everyone you can't do this with everyone but what i've realized is like it feels good to do this once a month where uh, if someone had their, their boyfriend died or someone else mm-hmm. their mother died and it's just like hey i'm sorry to hear about hear about that i see you here's a here's a nice note that i'll write for them and uh, maybe give them a little bit of insight uh, maybe i've gone through a similar experience and what i'm going to encourage other people to do uh, this could even be part of the added value segment is send flowers whenever you can uh try it out once a month you talked about contributing to your community that's one way you can do it be there for someone when they need the help and and quite often we're we try to contribute when people don't need it and then we we miss out on the opportunities when someone really does need it so sending flowers to folks is uh uh, inexpensive way to, sh- to show someone, look, I, I see you and I care. Uh, speaking of uh, caring, we've talked about the Gym City Market. We're over, um, let's see, we're over $40,000 raised for the Gym City Market right now. By the end of the year, we want to get to $100,000 to help build this grocery co-op in Dayton, Ohio. The west side of Dayton has 40% of the population and zero grocery stores. Let's get to $100,000. If you want to help us out with that, any amount of money you can donate, a dollar, $20, $50, whatever you can do will help out immensely. Go to theminimalists.com slash Dayton to contribute. Uh, we were in Brazil this past week. Now it's time to talk about Brazil. Now it's time dude, to talk about so, Brazil. Dude, that was so such a great trip, dude. Like I have never seen a city as big. I mean, it was like Mexico City is, yeah. was our connecting flight. Right. And like flying into there, you're like, oh man, Mexico City is, I mean, it just puts LA to shame. <laughs> but then you get to Sao Paulo the density and it's like even more dense it was what an awesome experience man like thanks so much to the folks out there at sap who like brought us out there and yeah so what an awesome group of people we gave this uh, keynote talk at the sap conference in the conference we had this uh, 30 second surprise like right beforehand neither one of, and we, you and i haven't talked about this yet but right as we were getting ready to go on stage alex the sound guy um he was like by the way only 5% of Brazilians speak English fluently. <laughs> and we're getting ready to go out on stage and give a 45-minute talk. And no one bothered to tell us that 95% of the audience did not speak English fluently. Now, thankfully, they... Well, that, I mean, just the, what Alex said was, is yes, 5% of Brazilians speak English as well as he does. He said, you're probably going to see a lot of the 5% here. Right. But yeah, but they had translators, right? I'm assuming they had translators. Right, and, but I, I didn't know that at first. I mean, I learned Portuguese just in case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were people wearing he- headphones, that, that so they were translating oh, for us. let's talk yeah. about that real quick. Yeah. So the whole idea behind this uh, conference, I don't know what you would call it. Yeah, forum. Yeah, forum, is they would have several talks going on at once yeah. in the same room. Different stages. 20 different talks at once sometimes. And what you did is, is it was a silent conference. So you wore these headphones mm-hmm. and then you would be like, oh, I want to hear these people talk. So I'm going to switch to channel four. And then right. all of a sudden you can hear them giving their talk. Now, I'm assuming it was a little weird because you'd, you'd have like, you'd be listening to, you know, stage number three and then at stage number two right next to you, like they start clapping or something and yeah. maybe a little bit distracting, but it made me think of the silent discos that I, uh, I've seen a lot in Europe where... 
you basically wear headphones and you can pick, you know, between a couple different channels. Mm. And if you didn't have headphones on and you were looking into the room, there's just a bunch of people dancing to different beats, <laughs> to different beats and looking crazy. But then as soon as you put the headphones in, you're like, oh, like now I get it. Yeah. And you can see which people are dancing to that same yeah. beat. Yeah. The, and, and then what was fascinating is they opened up the whole, when we gave the keynote, they opened up sort of the whole conference to just our talk. So there yeah. are 20 different stages around. So people were watching our, there's 5,000 people there. They're watching us sort of, they'll be in this room watching our talk or the, you know, I don't know, 1,000 people in front of us are, are watching it there, 2,000, whatever it was. But then there's being broadcast on the other stage and there's people on the watching us on a TV on the other stage as well. That was like our biggest crowd today, right? What was it, like 5,000 people? Yeah, having 5,000 people. I, I've never spoken directly to 5,000 people, just a couple thousand. And, yeah. and so um, what was really nice about, about Brazil's is, again, going back to the people and the people we met, I mean, they could not have been friendlier. Yeah. We'll definitely make it back to Brazil to do a, a proper tour stop sometime in, yeah. in the future. But that was wonderful. Yeah, I, I I finally gave myself permission to have fun uh, at the at that conference because I'm like, all right, this oh is, yeah, this is gonna be like it's, this is gonna be difficult because we're going out here. <laughs> I didn't realize they didn't all speak English. Forget it. I'm just gonna have as much fun as I can on stage, and it worked. It's so funny because like, you know, we'll be given a talk and. You know, so, sometimes, which this was the case in Sao Paulo, it's like we're given the talk great, the delivery's good, and like I know it's good. Yeah, it was hitting on all cylinders. Hitting it, but, it, but like the people aren't giving you the reactions that you're kind of looking for. But every culture is different, and also the translation barrier. Long story yeah. short, though, like that was it was it was such a wonderful event. I would do that all over again. Absolutely, and then totally we had people coming up it. afterward, and they were like crazy happy about. it. I'm like, oh, you were. Yeah. Did you see the photo, the picture I photobombed on Instagram? No. Oh, dude, someone had tagged. Uh, it was when we were getting in the car, our mm. bulletproof car that they hired. Yeah, they for did. Us. They they gave us a bulletproof Land they Rover. They just went out of their way to make sure we were safe. To make sure we were safe, yeah. and I and I could not appreciate that more. I mean, I truly am thankful for that. It's the first time I've ever been mobbed like we were miniature yeah. versions of the Beatle. Like pe yeah. the Beatles, like but, people were coming out to the, our bulletproof car trying crazy. to get pictures. So we, you were taking that picture with a group of people outside of the car yeah and i was already in the back seat but like i popped out and totally it's, it's on instagram it's no pretty, i missed it it's pretty I funny see it. but uh but yeah you know just going back to the whole thing where feeling that trepidation of, of of the city and being dangerous yeah like i really did have this this moment um the other day walking well it was when we came back from sao paulo so yeah just the other day uh, walking in hollywood i was very nervous walking through hollywood because well dude we were walking to that concert and like we're we're coming up on Coenga and uh, 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 Sunset, which yeah. is a nice area. Mm -hmm. And we cross the street, and, and like there's this cop who pulled these two guys over. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, we hear gun back up, back up. He's got a gun. And then mm -hmm. we look over, and the dude's got their 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 guns drawn. You've got you know we started running. You, me, and Mariah started running towards the the venue, which uh -huh. was really weird because we were the only ones running away. If you notice, everyone else at that time was going towards yes. the chaos, which blows my mind. That's back to the acting versus reacting. Oh like, like well, I was acting. I want to get out of here. <laughs> right. Other people were like, wait, what's going on What's going on? Here? Let's see. Why do these cops got their guns out? Can I get a selfie with this oh uh, God, person dude. who's getting into a fight with the cops? Within three minutes, there's a helicopter swarming above the the you know the scene. There are like, at least you can, you can see half a dozen here, another dozen cops. Mm. I mean, it was, this is... This is a reason to give me a little bit of trepidation walking around Hollywood. But what I realized uh, the other day, especially coming from Sao Paulo, mm. is that if I keep to myself, mm -hmm. 
if I avoid, you know, the dangerous areas as much as I can mm-hmm. and, and just really be smart when it comes to uh, when I walk around, where I walk around and, you know, so forth and so on, chances are I'm probably going to be okay. Yeah. And, and, and that, um, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't know why, uh, this is such a huge breakthrough for me, but like, I was just explaining this to Mariah yesterday when we were, we were walking, uh, to get some groceries or something. And I was just explaining to her, like, you know, probably life, my life, our lives are not going to be in danger as long as we are smart, as long as we are, you know, deliberate. And, um, it's Sao Paulo really helped me see that because yeah, it's a dangerous city. And if you go to the wrong place at the wrong time, um, you know, if you're not keeping your wits about you, like that city is not a city for beginners. Yeah. And, and but the, of course the same can be true in virtually any yes. city you go to, right? Exactly. You're going to find the wrong people. If you're looking for the wrong people or not, not looking out for the wrong people, then yeah, you can end up in a world of hurt, whether you're in Orlando or Brooklyn or Dayton or, or Missoula or wherever, like you, you can end up in the wrong place mm-hmm. and, and, if you're not doing it intentionally, then yeah, you can be in for a world of hurt. Um, a couple new writings on our website. We have uh, the one in 10 out rule. I won't explain that to you, but uh, you'll figure it out. It's up on our website right now. And also the rule of two, the rule of two. It's a, a new essay up on the website. You can find those over at the minimalists.com. And also if you want to get new essays, new minimalism rules, new uh, podcast show notes as well. You can sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. We'll never send you any spam because if you wanted spam, you'd probably go buy it yourself. Um, oh, and uh, I've had a few people ask about this, so I figured I'd at least talk about it real quick on the podcast. Um, while you're waiting for our second, you're waiting patiently for our second film to come out. Uh, you can watch six hours of bonus footage from our documentary, Minimalism. A lot of you have already seen it, but those six hours of bonus footage are available only at minimalismfilm.com. I think it's $10 if you want to buy the six hours of bonus interviews. It's basically all the interviews that we had in the documentary, but extended versions of them. Some of them, them didn't even make, not even appeared right. in, the, in the documentary, but some really awesome interviews. Right. It, just, it didn't fit into the narrative documentary, but right. they're good standalone interviews. Andy yeah. Davis is one that, yeah. is, that sticks out. Uh, there are quite a few people. Um, uh, Drew, yeah. who did the, the soundtrack to the film. So yeah. there's six hours of additional footage, bonus interviews, you can get over at minimalismfilm.com. And uh, what else do I have here? Oh, if you want to comment on this episode, you can do so over at YouTube youtube.com slash the minimalists and we'll just remind you like we are we're, we ban people pretty freely so yeah <laughs> if you don't so want to be in our house you don't have to it's a safe space <laughs> for you to comment too if you're yeah, just a, a good commenter yeah. um then that's a great place to go right have a conversation absolutely all right ryan you got anything else for us yeah man i got some voicemail tips and tricks from our listeners you want to check them out let's do it all right Hey Ryan and Josh, my name is Suzanne and I'm from Munich, Germany and I have a tip for all the fashionistas who want to have a minimalist but regularly updated wardrobe. My friends and I have been doing clothing swap parties a couple of times now. We, we meet up at one of our places and everyone brings clothes she or he does not like or wear anymore. We display the items like in a shop, create a small changing room and then everyone tries on and takes home whatever he or she likes. That way you do not spend any money, get rid of old items and give them a new home where they can add more value and you also get new clothes for free. Plus you can try them on first and can be 100% sure they will fit and look good. Hi Josh and Ryan, this is Desmond from Las Vegas. I am calling in with a tip for your listeners. If they are anything like me, 
Some may be obsessed with clearing the notifications or having a zero inbox. This includes the tiny red circle that pops up on the iPhone apps in the top left corner with the number of unread messages. After constantly deleting and reinstalling my work apps to eliminate my distractions, I happened to go into my settings, which is where I found a solution. In settings, once you have clicked on the app, go to the notifications. In the middle of the screen, you will see a switch that says badge app icon. Once you turn it off, those little annoying circles are gone and the numbers are gone with them and you can use your phone with one less distraction. Hello, Joshua and Ryan. My name is Alona from Melbourne, Australia. So I have a, a tip for parents who struggle to deal with toys for their kids. In Australia, we have toy libraries where you can borrow toys like books in the usual libraries. There is a small annual fee that lets you borrow a few toys for your children every week or so. And there is a lot of toys to choose from. I believe something similar exists in the US and other countries, so it might be worth looking into in your area. That can save parents a lot of money and storage space, as well as letting a child learn the life of access instead of access. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. Oh, and before we tell you all to leave here, Ryan, I, I want uh, if you, before we give you the, the last line, our friend Austin Hartley Leonard has one of my favorite songs. And I like to play it anytime I go back to Dayton or anytime so I go good, back dude. to Ohio. So I th- figured, Sean, if we can end this episode, if you listen to the audio version of it, you'll get to hear Ohio by our friend Austin Hartley Leonard. It is one of my top five favorite songs of, great, of all time. Yeah. Uh, we just got to hang out with him in, in Nashville recently. But uh, it's a great song. We'll end the podcast with that. And if you're watching on YouTube, then we'll just put a... I don't know. Maybe there's a link or something, Jordan. You can you can find because we can't play other people's music that we don't own on YouTube. All right, y'all. If y'all leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this: love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Well, I can see the streetlights pass me by. Out into the darkness from the light And you grew up a dancer Yes, I grew up as your friend If I get to Ohio Hope I see you dance again Streetlights pass me by Two more hours and I won't need these lights And I could hear you singing through your window way back when If I get to Ohio, hope I hear you sing again But hey, hey, summer roads, did you your pedals like my teeth upon this road or are you walking barefoot down your stairs spinning records red rose in your hair 
smile gently while the rest just make amends. If I get to Ohio, hope I see you smile again. Shed your petals like my teeth upon this road. Where I can see the sun burn through the clouds, and I can feel this heater burning out, and I can think of everywhere that I have never been. If I get to Ohio, hope I never leave again. But if I get to Ohio, hope I never leave again. <laughs>